Every time I watch a pro athlete talk himself into a corner, I think of Marshawn Lynch. The same Marshawn Lynch that you'd be best to have on tape delay. The same black athlete who spoke up for Kaepernick and always told the media where they could shove it. I'm just here so I don't get fined. How is it that a man so black and so brash could get away with being true to himself in a white-dominated industry? It's very simple. The man chose a side. He never left any doubt. There are two things that allow a person to speak boldly, knowledge and conviction. you got to have both. Conviction without knowledge will have you talking foolish. Knowledge without conviction will have you sound scared. This is how folks end up coming off as passive-aggressive. Take Kyrie Irving, for example. The man was unsure about what he thought he knew. The thing is, when you have knowledge and conviction, you can say what you believe with your whole chest and not give a damn about the consequences. Now watch me do it. Um, to, be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. To make a difference. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. So glad that you're checking in with your boy on a Friday afternoon. Just want to encourage you, if you're not following me, look, it's facebook.com backslash making a difference show on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. Before you continue with this podcast, I want to make sure that you're locked in with me. Twitter, the Twitter handle is difference making, M-A-K-I-N. I get to all the financial stuff later, but I just want to make sure that you know, the folks who are checking in, folks who are, you know, who've been following me consistently for many years. I'm just, look, I'm excited about where the podcast is going and, you know, where making a difference is going. Having a lot of dope guests coming up and, you know, just some things in review that I want to share with you all. And I don't want you guys to miss a single episode. Don't want any excuses. I don't want to hear about algorithms or anything like that. So I just want to make sure that you guys are checking in with making a difference. This episode is important to me. It's important because I truly want to leave no doubt in terms of the message of making a difference and in terms of where black people go from here. And I want to make a general commentary before I talk about Kyrie, Kanye, you know, rap, entertainment, black culture, all of these different things. And I want to talk about why it seems that black folks are predisposed to conspiracy theories. And I think our predisposition to those theories is another form of passive aggressiveness because there's no way in hell that you can live in this country as a black person and not see the reality that's in front of you. And the reality that's in front of you is that white supremacy exists and white supremacy does not care about you. Now, how is it that I, Ken Macon, can speak and say, and, you know, and express truth to power in terms of whiteness and what that looks like. Number one, because the facts speak for me. I don't even have to go back as far as slavery. I don't even have to go back as far as Jim Crow. 
I can look at how I can look at healthcare outcomes. I can look at educational outcomes. I can look at uh, outcomes with the police. I can look at all of these different things and I can make a clear determination that white supremacy not only exists, but it is how America does business. And I can say that because a white person may be listening to the show right now and say, well, Ken, how can you say white supremacy? I'm a white person. And my response to, to you, if you're listening, is that the system is bigger than you. Whether you, quote unquote, have a racist bone in your body or you do not, has nothing to do with the current state of affairs in this country and honestly worldwide. And I have so much respect for white folks who, who accept the fact that not only white supremacy exists, but that you do benefit from it in some ways. Now, the challenge for black folks is what do we do in the presence of white supremacy? And there is not a uniform answer for black people, which, to be clear, is a part of the problem. Because some black people see white supremacy and their response to it directly or indirectly is, I want to be white, not in terms of skin, but in terms of status, in terms of capital. This is where a person like Kanye West comes in. And see, I'm not going to play games and speculate. I'm going to let you hear straight from the horse's mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody that gets judged more than a straight white male. The straight white male has the least amount of a platform to even speak. A straight white male can't say, my wife hurt me today. Because people will say, well, you're hurting women. A straight white male can't say, hey, a black employee didn't come in to work on time. Because then people will say, you're racist. A straight white male can't speak on a homosexual person because uh, they'll say you're, ho you're homophobic. You have to understand that Kanye is making a play here. He's making a, not only a power play, he's making a proximity play. The truth doesn't matter to Kanye. Right or wrong doesn't matter to Kanye. What matters to Kanye is that he's trying to appeal to a certain base. Now, if that doesn't sound like Donald Trump, <laughs> I don't know, you know what does. But you have to understand this level of engagement, this level of entertainment is what gets media attention, is what causes a rabid fan base. These are the tools of capitalism and supremacy. The straight white male doesn't have a platform is categorically false, but it's also a draw into the notion of cancel culture, of being a victim because you're white. It's anti-black for two reasons. It's anti-black and dangerous because it allows for racism to fester. But what it also does is that it's trolling. It trivializes the very real struggles that black people have dealt with historically in this country. And Kanye knows this full well. Hence the white lives matter commentary. Hence the very nasty views on George Floyd and his death. At this point, you all have likely determined that I see Kanye irredeemable is not the right word, but I'll say that I have, you know, taken a step back away from Kanye ever since, you know, he made the commentary that slavery was a choice because I just felt like he was, you know, dealing in such anti-blackness and, you know, in such 
uh, dangerous and a historical commentary that I believed his self-serving brand of entertainment did such or does such a disservice to black people on the whole. And this is why I believe it's important to differentiate between what's going on with Kyrie and what's going on with Kanye, because it's an easy comparison. Hell, their names even sound alike. I do believe the primary difference between Kanye and Kyrie is that Kyrie is, you know, trying to move from a place of pro-blackness. I'm not saying that Kyrie, what he shared on Twitter, I'm not saying that was right. What I am saying is that I empathize with Kyrie's mishap far more than I do with Kanye's trolling. Kyrie, are you surprised that you did hurt people? Uh, surprised that I did hurt people? Are you surprised that reaction and some of the things that you did hurt people? Yeah, I, I think I can ask a better question. It's just, where were you when I was uh, a kid figuring out that uh, 300 million of my ancestors are buried in America? Where were you guys asking those same questions when I was a kid dealing with learning about the traumatic events of my familial history and what I'm proud to come from and why I'm proud to stand here and why when I repeat myself that I'm not going to stand down, it has nothing to do with dismissing any other race or group of people. I'm just proud of my heritage and what we've been through. And uh, the fact that this has pinned me against the Jewish community and uh, I'm here answering questions of whether or not I'm sorry or not on something I didn't create and it was something I shared and I'm telling everybody I'm taking responsibility, then that's where I sit. So, you know, these same questions that you guys ask, me dealing with it as being a melanated pigmented person all around the world and dealing with racial biases against my skin color, demeaning me because of my religious beliefs. And I'm still sitting in the seat standing so uh, I take my full responsibility. Again, I'll repeat it for posting something on my Instagram or Twitter that may have had some unfortunate falsehoods in it. But I also am a human being that's 30 years old and I've been growing up in a country that's told me that I wasn't worth anything and I came from a slave class. And I come from a people that are meant to be treated the way we get treated every day. So, I'm not here to compare anyone's atrocities or tragic events that their families have dealt with generations of time. I'm just here to continue to expose things that our world continues to put in darkness. That's a part of an extended uh, dialogue between Kyrie and reporters. And I really, again, I just can't help but go back to Marshawn and think that sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. You can't say or you can't promote things that suggest the Holocaust didn't happen. Just like if somebody came up here and said slavery didn't happen, I'd be mad as hell. We'd all be mad as hell. And because Kyrie can't or won't understand that anti-Semitic views fall under the umbrella of white supremacy, he finds himself in a position where he's using, he's juxtaposing the oppression that black folks have endured in America with the oppression of Jewish people. I heard his comments. He said, that's not what he's trying to do, but understand the way that you've presented this and the way that you've positioned yourself in the argument 
creates that not a not a juxtaposition, but creates an a conflict between black oppression and Jewish Jewish oppression, and who wins or what entity wins in that scenario? White supremacy. Kyrie's not the first person to make that mistake, and Kyrie won't be the last person to make that mistake because so many people, not just black people, lack courage and are passive aggressive when it comes to white supremacy. People have gotten mad about it throughout history. Dr. King got mad at the white moderate because of it. We know how Malcolm X felt about liberalism, but the answer is not white supremacy. It's not diet white supremacy. It's not leaning a a bit to the right. And I understand for black folks, some of these are trauma responses. Many of them are trauma responses. But we've got to get some courage about ourselves. We've got to get some conviction about ourselves. We've got to get some knowledge about ourselves. Kwame Ture said this 55 years ago when he explained the concept of black power. Black power, a call for black people in this country to unite, to recognize their heritage, to build a sense of community. It is a call for black people to begin to define their own goals, to lead their own organizations, and to support those organizations. It is a call to reject the racist institutions and values of this society. We don't have to be capitalists like Kanye. We don't have to be conspiracy theorists like Kyrie. The challenges that face black people are in front of us. Will you answer the call? Will I answer the call? Will we answer the call? Or will we continue to be cowards? I'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. This is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man, Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. want to talk about takeoff for a minute. And first of all, rest in peace, takeoff. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> 28 years old. And I knew how that was going to go. Like when, and it's like the way we deal with black death is so ritualistic, particularly in the celebrity framework, because we first, we got to wait for TMZ to say it. Right. Okay. So TMZ confirmed it, confirms it. He's dead. And, you know, we hear, Oh, it's over a dice game. So, now we a bunch of niggas, right? No context. Not understanding that this happened at a bowling alley. This was a private party. You know, we just hear 2.40 a.m. dice game. As if 
at a professional basketball game in Memphis, Tennessee, where another young brother who had found success in the rap game was taken away from us. They look, they played dice courtside and everybody laughed. Nobody said it. They actually looked kind of looked like dorks, but Hey, we just laughed it off and said, okay, cool. But you know, we hear about, you know, somebody, uh, presumably dying over dice. And now, you know, we get a bunch of niggas and, you know, we're last place in the race. And, you know, I'm hearing all of these decidedly anti-black commentaries. And again, some of it is just a trauma response. It's the way that people deal with death. And it's unfortunate because I, like I said, I, I dealt with a lot of crazy, uh, unfortunate commentaries out of takeoff's death. I want to take a, just a brief uh, portion of the podcast here to really look at rap and hip hop and what we deem as culture. By the way, I know the perfect song to play during a break and I think you guys will really appreciate it, but let me stay focused. Rap and hip hop. You have to understand that rap and hip hop came out of poverty like they came out of impoverished situations and because people didn't want to tell that story and share it with a compelling narrative, black people, we did what we always do, which is tell our own stories and find compelling ways to do just that. And what turned into modern day storytelling and art form became something that was commodified by white supremacy and the way that we can't see that and the manifestation of that in what we consider to be rap culture is extremely disappointing. Like rap looks like America. Rap has an issue of capitalism. Rap has winners and losers. Rap, you know, deals in eugenics. There are rap lyrics that say, if you don't have money, then you don't deserve to have sex. Which reminds me, rap has an issue with misogyny. Rap has an issue with gun violence. Doesn't America? Hell, you can't even go to school in America without worrying about somebody shooting up a school. But you know what? You know who doesn't seem to have an issue with using hip-hop culture and using jingles to sell goods and services? Basically everybody. You're selling food. You're selling Tide Pods. You're selling Folgers. Everybody uses rap culture to do that. And no one says a mumbling word, but a rapper gets killed and we get into all of this self hating commentary, which is to say that our self-esteem wasn't much to begin with. And that's very disappointing from my perspective, because I am a proud black man. I'm proud of being black. I'm proud of what we've overcome. I'm proud of just how with everything that's been put against us, like how we, are just able to just manufacture talent and just take the worst and make it the best. That's what hip hop culture is to me. I sat down with a dynamic brother and I can't wait to share this podcast with you guys. Jonathan Abrams just wrote an incredible book chronicling the foundation of hip hop and is telling these great stories. That's what hip hop is about. I think about the Migos and just how familial they were. I mean, you're talking about, you know, cousins and uncles and kinsmen. And I think about like what the, what the Migos have meant to 
not just rap and hip hop, but what they've meant to popular music. I look at how their spot, their style uh, was employed by Beyonce and some of her music and how really it's just, it's clear that so much of hip hop is currently constructed, you know, with ad libs and just all this creativity has been inspired by the Migos. And now we've lost that talent. We've lost one of those members who was instrumental in, you know, in giving that sound to the world at 20 freaking eight years old. And that's the tragedy. But my thing is you can't sit up here and, you know, talk bad about black people one day and then go back and listen to the same music tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm only asking for consistency. If you have an ailment in your body, you don't indict your own, your whole body. You fix what's wrong within the body. And I think that's a great allegory for what we have to do as black people, because there are some parts of our, you know, our, our collective body that are troublesome, but shunning a part of our culture because, you know, it doesn't fit your bourgeois narrative or, you know, it, it embarrasses you, excuse me, it embarrasses you in front of white folks just seems extremely elitist. And that's a lot of what I've gotten from the, ultimately from the takeoff commentary. And it's sad to see. My perspective may differ from yours. I want to say thank you to everyone that's been down with me. All my fans, all my beautiful fans. Anyone who's ever gave me a listen. All my people. I come from a generation of pain where murder is minor. Rebellious and more jealous, a trip you for designer. Belt buckles and cloud overzealous and prone to violence. Make the wrong turn, be your will of the will alignment. Residue burn, missed at the inner city. Miscommunication to keep homo detector busy. No protection is risky. Desensitized, I vandalize pain. Covered up and camouflage. Get used to hearing arsenal rain. Analyze, risk your life, take the charge. Homies, don't fuck your baby mama once you hit the yard. That's culture. 23 hour lockdown. Then somebody called, said your little nephew was shot down. The coaches Involved. I done seen niggas do 17, hit the halfway house, get out and get his brains blown out, looking to buy some weed, car washes played out, new GoFundMe accounts to proceed, a brand new victim, a shatter those dreams, the culture. Hard to 
We forget the remains, we start over. That's the problem. Our foundation was trained to accept whatever follows. Dehumanize the sensitive, scrutinize the way we live for you and I. Enemy shook my hand, I can promise I'll meet you. In a land where no equal is your equal, never say I ain't told ya. Nah, in a land where hurt people hurt more people, fuck calling it culture. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8. William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. When you listen to Making a Difference, you're listening to independent black media. And we need your support now more than ever. When it comes to Making a Difference, there are a lot of different ways that you can show love to what we're doing here. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. On Twitter, the handle is difference making, M-A-K-I-N. You can also support us financially through both Cash App and Patreon. Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash making a difference show. You can also support us on Cash App at dollar sign making a different show. Thank you in advance for your support, and I love you so much. Peace. It's the West Coast Diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. Welcome back to Making the Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. want to wrap up this episode by talking about a few things. I want to be clear about just with Kyrie and the net situation because there were some things that were said. Uh, I want to say the organization said this, or it may have been the NBA who said this. And the terminology that was used was problematic. They said that Kyrie was unfit to be with the organization at this time. Now, this is the same organization that is getting ready to hire Ime Udoka. And however you feel about that in terms of, you know, workplace relations or anything like that, certainly there is going to be a measure of controversy involved um, with him, with, uh, you know, Ime presumably getting ready to join the Nets. Uh, there are some, there is some controversy as well as the owner uh, with just some of his uh, financial um, endeavors and support, I want to say, as it relates to the Chinese. So singling out Kyrie as solely being unfit, I had a major issue with. There are a measure of narratives, and this is where, again, there is some angst with black folks because – I think as a community, we'll see the response to anti-Semitism and we'll say, well, why isn't there a similar response to, you know, racism, to, you know, anti-black speech and actions and different things like that. And I think those conversations really speak to power and influence and understanding how much of that we have as black people. I've always believed that our power is in our labor, whether that's physical labor, whether that's intellectual labor. You know, I see a lot of this on social media. I see a lot of this, you know, in manufacturing where, you know, these entities and programs are able to run off of what we do as black people and where that power doesn't always manifest itself in terms of 
actual dollars, they're still nonetheless a significant contribution that cannot and should not be trivialized. This is why I advocate so strongly for reparations, because acknowledgement is not enough. There has to be a redress, a rectifying, you know, of past debts and an appreciation in terms of history so that there can be closure. I'm just constantly reminded, you know, things that I see politically in terms of entertainment, in terms of healthcare, really just in terms of American life. We really have to bring back not just the notion and the language of black power, but the action and the organizing that comes with black power. Anything short of that, and you're always going to see black people be subjugated, whether you have $4 in your bank account, four, 40000 or $40 million. And we're always going to be dealt with in a way that's not judicious, that's not fair, that's not just. As I close out this podcast, I had a lot that I wanted to say about Election Day, but I don't anymore <laughs> because there's a way that we treat voting or rather the political establishment presents voting to black people as a means to an end instead of an access point and understand that when our forefathers and our ancestors and our predecessors died for the right to vote, they were not dying for that singular right. They saw the ballot box as an access point to better wages, to better housing, to better opportunities. And voting doesn't always materialize itself in that way, despite the fact that Black people are overwhelmingly supportive of a singular party. Now, once again, this is not me saying, hey, let's go over here to the Republican Party, see what they're talking about. This is an acknowledgement that the two-party system is not working for black people, and we can't be passive-aggressive about our acknowledgement of that reality. It may seem overwhelming, and because it is a daunting task, this is why you start within your own community and I have a few ideas that I'm going to exercise here in the next couple of months, so stay tuned for that. We have to come up with our own solutions while also advocating that our federal government that we invest in and pay taxes in be accountable. It takes knowledge, it takes conviction to you know, get to the outcomes that we need. And the more I look at our predecessors and the more I look at you know, civil rights movements and Reconstruction, all of these different things. That's what you had. You had people who knew what they were talking about, who studied, who were powerful because of what they believed, but what they believed in was just based in truth and fact. And that's where we have to get to at this moment. And once we do that as a community of people, I think we'll see the unseriousness of people like Kanye. I think we'll see the misguidedness of, you know, individuals like Kyrie. And further, I think we'll see that even in the wrongness of celebrity, we'll still see the oppression of white supremacy that exists. Appreciate you guys listening to Making a Difference today. I am overwhelmed when things happen in a community and things happen nationally and people of all the places in the world you can go. People say, you know what? I want to hear what Ken Macon has to say. It's it's humbling. 
it's a responsibility that I don't take like that I don't take lightly and I'm always trying to get better. I I want you guys to know that sincerely. And that's why I mean just for myself, like this podcast a year or two ago, it may have been an hour podcast and I you know, I'm saying that because I just <laughs> I'm in a place now where I can get to the heart of a matter in a relatively short amount of time. There are podcasts that may run longer because they require that. But I just, you know, some of the issues that we, we're facing in modern times, you know, I, I think they are, for, for myself personally, I try to come up with modern day solutions and I try to make them, you know, clear and concise, you know, so that people can digest them and it hopefully just makes us all better. I appreciate you guys truly. I just want to preach and practice empathy and love because I think, those two things are sorely missing, you know, in our, in our dialogue, in our debate, you know, just from person to person as we take on the news, you know, I think we're a largely desensitized people because of what's happened because of uh, COVID and how many people we lost. I just pray that we really get back to loving one another, man. And, you know, just, identifying and understanding what's really going on out here and trying to make a positive change. Peace and God bless. This episode of Making a Difference and every episode moving forward will honor the life and legacy of my dear brother, James Macon. James had a way of telling the truth that endeared him to family and made him respected by his friends and peers. That standard is now my gift and my burden of responsibility. Long live St. James. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.